Is Bitcoin a bad payment network and you shouldn't use it? Is the Ethereum merge going to happen this summer? And why could Avalanche's AVEX token drop a further 50% from now? That and more in the crypto market talk this week. In this week's episode, we will talk about Bitcoin. We will talk about some interesting statements from heavy hitters in the industry. We will also talk about Ethereum and why Ethereum might be the more interesting trade. And then, of course, we'll also have a look at Avalanche, AVEX token, why this might be in danger for a further correction. And we'll also have a look at Aave as well as Polygon. Before we get started, though, let's have a quick look at just general news. As of course, I've talked about the Terra Luna crisis last week. And here we have a very interesting statement from the Tether CTO. Now, Tether is the centralized stablecoin and the biggest stablecoin with the short name of USDT. And the Tether CTO, of course, has given a very interesting statement about the Terra Luna crisis, saying that Luna was a house of cards. He's saying that technically we knew that it is not a Ponzi in this regard, but a house of cards that could essentially break down at any moment. Nobody really wanted to kind of make that statement, of course, especially Du Quan, the creator of Terra Luna. He didn't want that. He was even very arrogant in saying that the model has to work it will work and that of course was then kind of its demise now the cto of tether has been kind of under attack as well in the last couple of days tether has had kind of uh, its pack to slightly diverse from the one-to-one -one, uh, ratio and the interesting part there is, of course, that Tether gives out these quarterly and monthly reports about its reserves. Now, usually these reserves do look very good. However, there is a very slight change in the wording for a couple of months now, where they mention that they have the, that specific amount, be it X, in cash or cash equivalents. And what has been criticized for quite some time now is what does the wording of cash equivalent exactly mean is it any kind of short-term uh, reliability is it kind of actual cash that you can pretty much or or any product that you can turn into cash almost instantly is it maybe a long-term investment in something like evergrand and so on which also was a rumor for a very very long time so a big question mark for tether there now, speaking about kind of stability and other things, we of course have to talk about Bitcoin as well, because last day uh, on Sunday, there was actually the Bitcoin pizza day. Now, for context, what is exactly the Bitcoin pizza day? 22nd of May in 2010, there was actually a forums post, which you can still read up on from Laszlo. I think his name is here somewhere, Laszlo Hanjec. And Laszlo was asking for pizzas he was asking for pizzas being delivered to his house in florida and he was going to pay ten thousand bitcoins for it that equivalent in fiat money in 2010 was about 41 us dollars and he was saying i want two 
big pizzas, uh, one to eat now and one to keep for tomorrow, and I'm ready to pay 10,000 Bitcoin for it. Now, this was, of course, in the meantime, it has turned into a meme and into this very historical event. But essentially, back then, the idea was to prove that you could pay for products and services using Bitcoin at the time. The bet or kind of the offer was then taken. Somebody actually took the 10,000 Bitcoins back then and delivered two pizzas. And since then, it's essentially known as the Bitcoin Pizza Day, where Laszlo has spent obviously now a fortune amount on two pizzas. Now, what has turned into a meme again, it's is, is kind of a historical moment of showing, yes, you can actually pay for products and services using Bitcoin. I mean, look at El Salvador, where the Bitcoin Lightning Network currently is in use on a day-to-day -day basis, and you can pay for pretty much everything with Bitcoin. The big question is, are there other services and products that you can actually pay for that are currently not possible? Of course, here in Switzerland, you cannot pay for a lot of things in Bitcoin. There are some restaurants, maybe some hotels and maybe some online providers that would take Bitcoin. But the major issue is still you cannot buy, for example, groceries on Bitcoin. And the big philosophical debate is also should you spend Bitcoin to buy groceries? That's the other question. And speaking about you cannot spend Bitcoin on a daily uh, products, Ben Bernanke, the ex-former uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve, is also making that statement that Bitcoin as an alternative form of money will never really make it. It's, it's mostly used, according to his statement, it's mostly used for illicit activities, for ransomware, for other illegal activities. But you wouldn't, for example, pay or you couldn't pay for salary in the grocery store for uh, with Bitcoin. He's saying it's too unstable, too volatile and too inefficient. And on one side, you have to keep in mind, Ben Bernanke is currently on a book tour. He's just released the book. So he's very interested in kind of uh, telling his story of the Federal Reserve and, and monetary policy and so on. And on the other side, you have Bitcoin, which is a very young and new innovation that probably won't fit into the worldview of Bernanke and the Federal Reserve. However, what has caused some interest as well is this statement. Bitcoin has no future as a payments network, says the FTS ex-chief. Sam Bankman-Fried, the billionaire, the 30-year-old billionaire of the FTX exchange, is quite kind of um, publicly known as a big investor in the space, but also a big investor into alternatives of Bitcoin. And he's even saying that Bitcoin as a network from an ecological, like from an environmental standpoint, is just too much of high cost. So it's very inefficient. It's not a scaling network, and it's also not a payments network. That is a statement that Sam Bankman-Fried has given to the Financial Times. And that, of course, is quite interesting. On one side, you have this idea that the Bitcoin network is was never supposed to be a payments network. On the other side, you have this in the white paper where it says peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash. And currently, kind of how it's scaled, it is not there and it is not that. The question is, how can you turn Bitcoin into something that could work like this? The solution would be technically networks like the Lightning Network, which you can see in El Salvador. Additionally, you have to keep in mind Sam Bankman-Fried is with FTX and with Alameda Research, his company, is a big investor in Solana. Now, the Solana Network, of course, very cheap, very efficient, very fast. 
and has also been titled as the kind of the visa of the crypto sphere. So he has a specific interest in making alternatives to Bitcoin much, much more efficient. Interestingly, additionally to that, he's saying that proof of work networks by definition are not meant to be payments or scalability networks. But proof of stake could technically work in that way. And proof of stake, we will talk about in a few uh, seconds about in, uh, in uh, when we talk about Ethereum. But in general, you can see that Sam Bankman-Fried has a very kind of vested interest in making other alternative um, cryptocurrencies kind of as an alternative to Bitcoin. Of course, with FTX, he has made millions, if not billions, um, through the trading. Of course, not just Bitcoin, but kind of just general cryptocurrencies. So it's interesting to, say, to see that he, as kind of the, the major profiteer of this uh, Bitcoin and crypto revolution, is saying that the first cryptocurrency has essentially no future as a payments network. Now, you can also argue that maybe he's saying it has a future as an investable asset or something else, but that's a different discussion. Let's have a look, of course, at the chart. And what we can see here is that the Bitcoin price didn't really move a lot. And of course, we have to keep in mind, if we switch to the weekly chart, it has been a rough couple of weeks. It has been essentially seven weeks in a row with uh, red candles. The question is, will we see the first green candle after these seven? Because historically, usually Bitcoin goes never more than seven weeks of red candles. So usually we can expect some green behavior. But if we switch back to the daily, chart here we can see that this zone is still accumulation zone so if you're kind of looking to invest more midterm or long term this could be quite interesting and additionally to that you can also say that if the bitcoin price would break this range again so the 28 to 30k range that we could have a look at the uh, lower low, very low 20s because there we have an interesting zone as well you could even argue that around 26 so 25 26 thousand us dollars you have a different zone as well but the real bottom uh, here would be around the lower 20s now this is only of course in case a tether implosion or second war a no, new pandemic and so on would uh, happen in this case though i would expect the bitcoin price to slowly rise now, what about proof of stake and proof of stake networks? We also have to discuss Ethereum. And before we jump into this idea of proof of stake, we should firstly start with Ethereum name service. Now, Ethereum name service for the context is a wrapper of Ethereum addresses. So Ethereum addresses usually start with 0x and then have these crazy long uh, number of uh, or, or, or kind of uh, long tail of numbers. But the issue here is that the that the address is, is quite difficult to remember. So if you want to keep something like SwissCode.eth, it's much, much easier than 0x123, etc. So what these people have done is essentially built a kind of address shortener for the Ethereum network. And if you want, you can register it quite easily and quite cheaply. One year costs about five US dollars, depending on the gas fees. But essentially what the Ethereum name service is, is also kind of a, a stat on how adopted the network is really getting. And what we can see is that the May has been all time high for new registrations, new renewals, new like additional revenue and additional income in terms of ETH 
and USD. And there's still one week in May left. So that's what the lead developer of the Ethereum name service has been saying. And that in turn means and shows me that the Ethereum network is being used additionally for other purposes. So of course you have on one side, you have DeFi, you have NFTs, you have payments and all of these things. But additionally, you can also use it to register the name service as well. So that means the Ethereum network is growing and it's growing steadily. And the next story is actually quite an interesting one. We've talked about the merge in the past. The merge essentially means that Ethereum will switch from proof of work to proof of stake. It will merge the beacon chain with the existing chain. And this is essentially the biggest change in Ethereum's history. And that could also mean that Ethereum kind of gets to the next level because it would open up this whole debate of ESG once again and in a more positive way, of course. And we talked about in the crypto market talk, we talked about that the merge would probably not happen until Q3, maybe even Q4 of this year. So there has been a delay and we would expect still a delay. But one of the developers of the core developers, Preston Van Loon, has actually said on the permissionless conference on stage that August is a possibility. End of August could actually be the date for the merge. Now, the problem here is something called the difficulty bump. The difficulty bump essentially, uh, it says here, refers to the program coded into the Ethereum blockchain that intentionally slows down the network. It was designed to encourage the transition to proof of stake by making it more difficult for miners to stay behind on the proof of work chain after the merge. And the thing is the difficulty bump has been delayed from time to time, like artificially delayed. And now, of course, once this difficulty bump would actually um, get executed, it was essentially mean that the proof of work network would be more or less unusable or very kind of slowly usable. And that in turn means that the merge could actually happen in August. And that in turn means that Ethereum might be still a very interesting trade. Now let's have a look at the chart. Of course, we remember last week to the T on the 1,807 US dollar line here that we've hit. So one of our kind of orders has hit here. And now we are seeing green candles once again, very, very similar developments on the weekly, by the way. Again, kind of seven weeks in, in a row of red candles and now is essentially the first green week that we're seeing and that's the big question mark. For me, still a very interesting trade, especially considering that the merge is coming up. Now let's jump to Avalanche and we are starting by looking at this dashboard. Now we're talking about Avalanche but not directly because we have mentioned the Terra Luna crisis in last week's episode and also at the beginning of this episode and we haven't mentioned this specific dashboard. These are the Luna Foundation Guard reserves. The Luna Foundation Guard was founded a couple of weeks or months ago with the intention to kind of save Terra USD or, or have a specific stability in the USD network. And that, of course, failed. But here we can see that in order to defend the PEC, a lot of the reserves, and it was mainly Bitcoin with about 1.5 billion US dollars of Bitcoin, they have been sold off. So no Bitcoin in the reserve. I think I've read that 313 Bitcoin are still left, but I think the major point is still that there are around 75 million US dollars worth of Avalanche tokens, of AVAX tokens in the reserve still. 
And the Luna Foundation Guard is very unclear about what they will do about this. And that, of course, puts Avalanche holders into a kind of a nervous situation because they would expect that essentially Avalanche tokens um, could be flooded to the market and that of course would cause the avalanche price to drop now where are we when we look at the price we can see that on one side i've drawn here a fibonacci sequence putting us here at a very interesting zone of around 38.4 us dollars the bottom of course at around single digit at around 8 us dollars and the trend line that is still kind of in play in my opinion so i do believe the trend line plus this fibonacci sequence could be a quite interesting merge zone that I will have a look at. Now, should this break the trend line and just the general market, I would expect this to drop to the single digits. I cannot see how they can sustain because we can't see any stability here, essentially in the charts, maybe at around 15 or 16 US dollars, but I very, very much doubt it. So I would expect Avalanche, if it drops and if the market gets flooded with these tokens, that kind of the panic would make the Avalanche token drop to around 15 US dollars. Now let's jump into the next news story. We're talking about Aave. Aave, the DeFi protocol, in my opinion, DeFi blue chip protocol has launched something very interesting. They've launched an NFT based Twitter rival and not on Ethereum directly, but on Polygon. And there are some interesting concepts here. So on one side, you have this idea that every piece of content that you share on a social media platform is owned by the platform and not by you. And Aave wants to change that with the Lens protocol, where you can essentially own all the parts of the network by having NFTs. So imagine you're writing a tweet, hello world, for example, and this hello world is then kind of trademarked or kind of incorporated into your wallet. And from there, you can actually sell an NFT as a tweet, for example, you can do whatever with it. At the end, you own the content and you own kind of the implications that are associated with it. Quite an interesting kind of proposal. And that came about last, I think last June, when uh, Jack Dorsey made the statement that he wants to build Aave on Bitcoin or DeFi on Bitcoin, where then the Aave founder and CEO, Stani Kulechov said, well, if they're going to build Aave on Bitcoin, Aave should build Twitter on Ethereum. So half jokingly, he actually kind of did this and essentially created Lens Protocol, which is now live and you can actually use it. The second part of this new story is quite interesting because it has been launched on Polygon, not directly on Ethereum. Polygon, of course, a sidechain scaling solution for Ethereum, much faster, much more efficient. So quite interesting that Polygon is getting more usage even within the Ethereum network. Now, what does that mean for the chart? For me, Aave now has broken through kind of this absolute bottom. Ideally, it would um, stay here or stay above here and would reach the 115 to 117 US dollar line. So I would really much observe this area because again, Aave, in my opinion, one of the DeFi blue chips, should this break and should this bottom break, we are looking at, I want to say here at around 54 US dollars. So ideally, this will still go up. Same with Matic, although Matic is still in accumulation phase. So no kind of big breakthrough so far. 
Matic's next stop would be around the 30 cent line, but I think Matic is in a very, very interesting space if you want to accumulate it right now. That was it from the crypto market talk this week. Make sure that you subscribe to this channel, leave a comment if you want to share something and I will see you on the next one.